Okay, everybody, um, turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to continue on on Senior Recognition Day. That's senior in high school, not senior adults, in case you're wondering. Um, verse 34 through 40, we're going to talk about love and the law. Matthew 22, 34 through 40 today. Um, you notice that when you're trying to, when you, um, when you decide that you're going to learn something new or when you're forced into an environment where you have to learn something new, you very quickly figure out that like, it's a whole culture. That, it's not just a hobby that you're picking up. Like, it's a whole community. It's a whole culture. It's a whole thing like, that has their own uh, way of life and their own, their own jargon. Um, when I waited tables in, in grad school, um, I learned you know, very quickly that the, the, the kitchen and the wait staff have their own... Has anybody else waited tables? Has anybody done this for part of their living? No? Well, if you do, you, thank you, Myra. So Myra will know this. Like, they have their own thing going on back there. It's a whole other language. And so the first night, it's like, hey, 86 the flounder. I'm like, what does the number 86 have to do with flounder? You know, what did he do about the, it just means tell everybody we don't have any more, right? Or um, uh, one, one waiter was running around <laughs> one of my first weeks. It was crazy. I mean, there were so many people there we could hardly move. Um, this is before COVID. And so we were just packed in like, like sardines because it was a seafood restaurant. And they're just, it was just thriving. And, it, and one of the waiters was, was running around going, I'm in the, in the weeds. And it means that there's, I'm in the weeds. I'm like, what does that mean exactly? I'm in the, in the weeds. And it means that there's, you're, you're running around as if the grass has grown over your head. And you have no idea where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do. Um, because of our family's involvement with chess, um, I learned that there's no kibitzing allowed in a chess tournament. And you, what is kibitzing? Does anybody know what kibitzing is? It's, yeah, it sounds Jewish. <laughs> it doesn't, um, you can't stand over somebody's board while they're playing and tell them what they should be doing or make commentary. Okay, so no color commentary over a, a chess game. Um, I work more uh, cross-functional at Lifeway across all these different teams, so I've had to learn the jargon, learn the language, learn the culture of all these different uh, teams. And so they, and they all use their own language, and it's really funny to kind of pick up on it and use it in the right context. So our marketing team talks a lot about plussing up their marketing efforts. We're going to plus this up and plus that up, which has left me very nonplussed. And those two things are not related except for the way they, they sound. Um, it just means that they're going to try and do one more thing, you know, to make their, their stuff better. So the same thing can happen once you become a Christian. And you start following Jesus. Um, you can get caught up in a lot of the activity and the language and the jargon and the thing. And it can get really, really overwhelming really fast. And in that moment, uh, you can, you can it's a trite phrase, but it is a true phrase. You can lose the forest for the trees. Um, there's just so much that you forget why you're actually doing all this stuff, right? And to that end, today's passage is super refreshing. Uh, in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, read this, read this with me. Verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them 
an expert in the law, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets, all of the law and the prophets depend, your Bible may say hang, on these two commands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want you to remember the context a little bit before we dive in very quickly to this beautiful simplicity of this text. The Pharisees have not come to Jesus in good faith. (laughs) They are coming to uh, test Jesus. They're coming to trap Jesus. This is the third and the final test that Matthew will record that the Pharisees and Sadducees and Herod. So the Pharisees moment as he's come into the temple, into the city of, of Jerusalem. So the Pharisees have now huddled up and they've sent in one of their experts to draw Jesus into this long-standing and very popular debate among Pharisees. So it's a, it's a legitimate question. It's not a Sadducee question where it's like, you know, the, about, the, uh, about the resurrection that we talked about last week. This is a legitimate question that Pharisees uh, and, and Bible scholars of the day had long debated. It was effectively this. There are so many commands, 613. In the Pharisees' world, 613, almost as many as in your house, okay? But there's 613. Can, that's a lot. For a Pharisee, like, that's a lot. They, they would acknowledge that. That's, that's a lot. Is there any way that we could, I don't know, force rank these, right? And if you could force rank them, that would be easy at first. Like number 613 is probably a little bit easier to identify. But what about number two? What would be number one? Okay, That was a legitimate theological debate taking place in Jesus' day. And the question, if you'll notice, this is different than the other two, is asked open-ended. It, it's asked It's open-ended in the hopes that Jesus would say something and hang himself, if you will, in the answer that he gives, okay? And it's fascinating because Jesus is very direct in his reply. He doesn't have anything critical to say about person or the people asking the question, and he doesn't miss the forest with the question designed to get him lost in the trees. He simultaneously answers the question, and just like he's done the last two times, he answers the question, but he also drops this, you know, this incredible life-changing teaching that transforms anybody that really starts to do the mind work and the heart work to think about what he's saying. God in government last week, the afterlife, or two weeks ago, the afterlife last week, and now, look at all these laws. What am I supposed to do? And Jesus' answer is direct, and it is transformational. So it's not an obscure ivory tower issue, right? There are so many, many laws. How in the world... How in the world, Jesus, what do we do with this? Boil it down for us, Jesus. Boil it down. Several years ago, several years ago, Holly and I were in Asheville, North Carolina, on a weekend getaway for our anniversary, and we 
called her sister a couple of days prior. Where do we go to eat? You know, it was a good restaurant. She had been to Asheville several times. She told us about this place called the Admiral. And it was an old uh, uh, gas station that had been converted into a restaurant. And we kind of were like, eh, when you drive in, you're like, maybe, you know, like East Nashville 20 years ago. You know, like, maybe this is not such a great thing decision. But we went in there and sat down, and we... Amazing, y'all. Several things, but one of the things that we had was cream of onion soup, and it was amazing, y'all. It was amazing. I still remember when I was writing the sermon, trying to think of a way to illustrate this point. This is what I thought of: a twenty-year-old bowl of soup. That's how amazing it was. So, thinking that it's that amazing, it's probably complex. And so, as we walked out, we were like, "Man, they were like, hey, is everything okay?" We're like, "Oh, it's amazing." Hey. How did you got to tell us how you made the cream of onion soup? And, he, and the guys just looked at each other like, well, it's just a whole bunch of onions boiled down to sugar. Add fat, salt, pepper, and garlic, and there you go. That was it. It was literally cream and onion soup. That's it. That is, in effect, what the Pharisees are asking Jesus to do. Boil it down so we can understand what it is about the law. Now, that is your problem as much as it is mine. This is not an ivory tower, Pharisee-only, Jewish theological debate. Your understanding and your relationship with the law, the revealed will of God to live our lives, that is the life question. Every human being at some stage in their life has a love and a hate relationship with the law. We have a love-hate relationship with the law. We love the law when we do it. And And when we don't know what to do, we will even create laws. Maybe you'll call them, you know, notes to self or learning points. But you'll create a law, even in your own mind, that you can hopefully follow that will keep you and everyone else around you straight. Everybody, whether you're a liberal or a libertarian or a conservative, wherever you are on that spectrum, you love laws. But you also sometimes hate laws. And that's usually when it's working against your desire to do something else, right? So I've used George Carlin before, that comedian who once quipped, have you ever noticed when you're driving on the interstate that anybody driving slower than you is an idiot and anybody driving faster than you is a maniac? That quip, the purpose of that quip is to call attention to the three fingers that point back at us when we're pointing the finger at everybody else. The very law that we love also is one that we hate. We butt heads with the law quite eat your vegetables. Life. Have you ever said to your child, eat your vegetables? And it's like a battle at the table and the law changes over the course of dinner. From It's all your broccoli and then 20 minutes later it's like, would you please just put one grain of that stock in your body? Like you're just, the law changes constantly because you're doing a battle with the law? Have you ever, as a child, said, okay, mom, dad, I'll eat it, but I'm not going to like it, right? That's doing battle with the law. When you've given a command to your children to go clean the room, 
and they go upstairs like this, right? That's doing battle with the law. The law that we love is the one that we also butt heads with. Now, you may be thinking, Rob, that's true for people who want to be good. <laughs> that's true for moral absolutists. But that's not really true for, for, um, for everyone. Take, for example, Pastor Rob, people who just redefine the truth that's taking place in our culture. People who don't, people who do that. People who say, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. They're not, they're not loving the law. They're, they're redefining the law. And you're right. The Pharisee is looking at this 613 books or, or laws in a book. And he's going, please boil it down. But a postmodernist or a relativist is looking at these 613 laws, so to speak, and is redefining it or is rewriting it, but they're redefining and rewriting the laws that they think they can live with. So they still love a law. They're just changing what it means, what it is, okay? And our culture right now is having a field day with this. This is what I mean by the law is everybody's problem. It's not just your problem in your own heart. We have to wrestle with this constantly. This is in the background of every relationship that you have. So our culture is having a field day with relativism, right? But in the end, just want to give you some, some heart here, some, some foundation. You can't escape truth. You cannot escape it. Even the idea that, quote, there is no moral absolute is a statement of moral absolutism. Right? There is no moral absolute except this statement, that there is no moral absolute. It's, it's a self-defeating, but it's an absolute statement. So eventually, even though our culture loves to like redefine reality, eventually, eventually, everybody's going to know exactly what is right. So it's not just a Pharisee Jewish theological problem. This is a life problem. So Jesus, boil it down. Make the soup. Make the soup. Boil it down. What does it mean? Now look at Jesus' answer. Actually, don't look at Jesus' answer. <laughs> look at what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, honor your parents. He doesn't say, very conservative. Something like that would have labeled Jesus as very conservative. Nor does Jesus say, don't lie or don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't, don't steal. Which, something that falls more along the relational liberal scale of things, right? He doesn't choose either of those things for reasons that we discussed last week. He's other. He's not left or right. He's not the perfect moderate. He's other. So he doesn't choose those things. Instead, he goes outside of the Ten Commandments to Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all of your strength. Leviticus 19.18 says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus chooses those two things. And then in verse 40, he says, all of the law, all of the law and the prophets, Sadducees, depend, hang on these two commands. That's incredible. Jesus doesn't choose commands that are more important than other commands, nor does he say something really hippie-like, like, all you got to do is love, man. 
He doesn't do that either. He says that the law depends on love. The law hangs on love for God and love of neighbor. The law hangs. It depends. It is, it is hanging from. It's, it, y'all understand? It's dependent on God's love and neighbor love. In other words, the law is always pointing us to and pushing us toward love for God and for neighbor. Pick the law. It is dependent on love to be truly fulfilled, and it always is pointing you to love for God and love for neighbor. Every law. So we've been through Matthew. You've been so one of the commandments is don't steal. Don't steal. Now, how is that law about love? If Jesus is right, and he is, just for clarity, okay, that the point of every commandment, even if it's put in the negative, do not do this. If that point, the point about the commandment is love, then the commandment, do not steal, can only be fulfilled. If it's pointing you to love, it can only be fulfilled if you're actually very generous toward a neighbor. Do not love, do not steal, excuse me, do not steal is pointing you to God's love for you and your love for your neighbor. But if you just don't steal, you can just don't steal and not love. Right? You can be a really selfish, introverted, pointing to myself, jerk, and not steal, and not love. But the law, do not steal, is pointing you toward just how generous, what about do not lie? And just how generous we must be with our neighbors. What about do not lie? Okay. The point of do not lie means that we're supposed to live uh, lives that are honest and genuine and authentic with those that are in our life, with our neighbors. We don't spin. We don't manipulate. There's, there's genuineness in our relationships. I remember as a student pastor, back in my, the days of a website that was threatening every parent's nightmare, called MySpace because their kids that they were giving internet access to, their teenagers, were going to MySpace.com and creating a little web page for themselves and the music that they liked and the art that they liked. It was the original Facebook, if you will, or original Instagram in many respects. And at first, partly because people didn't understand this is how the internet worked, students were actually being very genuine and authentic, because it gave them an avenue to be that. And their parents hadn't figured it out yet, so they could just say, I can be myself, you know. Or, and that was, that, was, that, was, that was happening. And then, then they were like, wait, maybe it's not good that everybody knows exactly everything there is to know about how genuine and authentic I am, right? There was some fear, not everybody in the world, right? Just want to be wise in that respect, right? So I had to change all that, I had to go through and teach and work through all of those things. And if you go back, and now, and now that's pushed very hard. Like, you look at social media now, everything is many, many things. Not everything. Many things are planned, scheduled, designed. Uh, it's, it is a publishing world. Like, everything is made to look as perfect. It's a show. It's all a show. Everything. Okay? But do not lie. The law 
pushes you to live authentically in a genuine love relationship with your neighbor. That's, that's what it does. You can't fulfill the law, don't bear false witness, by just refraining from perjury. You can't fulfill the law, don't steal, by simply not taking lifesavers from the gum aisle and the candy aisle on your checkout way in the grocery store. You can't fulfill the law, Sermon on the Mount, don't commit adultery simply by not having an affair. The law is pushing you to love your neighbor and love the Lord. The law is all about love. The law is always pointing us to and pushing us toward love for God and neighbor. So what Jesus is saying here is that if we are technically keeping these laws, but that we're harsh or stingy or cold, then we're clearly not keeping the law because the law is always pushing us toward and pointing us toward love for God and neighbor. Tim Keller, who died this week, means to be keeping the law. Love that defines what it means to be keeping the law. And it's the law that defines what it means to love. It's love that defines what it means to keep the law. And it's the law that defines what it means to love. So what? Does Jesus, does this, um, does this answer make things easier for you or harder for you? Like, how's that, how do you think the Pharisee felt? Matthew doesn't record that. Mark does. But Matthew, Matthew doesn't. And, and Mark, the, the Pharisee says, you're right. You're right. There's no, I could not offer any number of sacrifices. You're right. And Jesus' response to him is, then since you know this, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far. I wonder, I wonder how this makes you feel. Because Jesus is saying that the only motivation for keeping the law, for doing all the things that God commands us to do with our neighbor, the only possible source for law keeping is a heart that is head over heels in love with Jesus. Because you know that God is completely in love with you. There's a passion. There's a delight. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and other verses, other, your might, all of your strength. If we want to keep the law with this motive and for this reason, then Psalm 119 becomes yours and mine psalm. I love the law. Why? Because it points me and shows me what love actually is, and it shows me that the law is actually from love of God who loves me. Right? But if we don't keep the law with this kind of motive and reason, then the law is, you, this is the hate part of our relationship with the law. If we separate it from love, then the law becomes a burden. And we either try and keep it because, you know, well, it is God's law after all, or we redefine it and rewrite it and find up something that we can be more comfortable with. So if we ever try to get love, let's talk about that first person who's like, well, I do believe in God. He's got his law here. And we don't get the love. We don't get the part that this is pointing us to love. We don't see that God loves us. We just see that we see holiness without relationship. 
We get that. So we get the law here. I guess I've got to keep it. This is the Pharisees' problem. I've got to keep it in order to get God to love me. That's what I've got to do. Okay? And if you've ever tried to get love like that, if you say, I'm going to keep the law so God will love me, so I'll feel good about myself and other people will respect me, I've been down that journey. It, will, it is not internally. You talk about anxiety and stress. It is not healthy. It is not good. That's not the because it's not the gospel. Okay. You'll have the same problem that you that that people like myself have always had. You need the rules, but then you can't have the rules. Like you you can't live with it's, it's you can't live with them and you can't live without them. <laughs> Talking about laws, not dogs. Okay. Or whatever that phrase was originally written for. I cannot live with them and you cannot live without them. Like you, you, want, you want them, but, but, but they, drive you, they drive you crazy. It's a love-hate relationship with the law. So we can't do that. And nor can you just rewrite them. Because they point you to love. If you rewrite them, you're going to miss love. It's like drawing your own map to get somewhere when you don't actually know what the roads are. It's going to take you somewhere, but it's not going to take you where you want to be. So, my, um, a couple of years ago, my, my brother, who's uh, four years younger than me, was on a tri- school trip with his oldest daughter, who was 12, 13 at the time. And it was to Washington, D.C. And so this was a school trip, class, sixth grade graduation trip kind of thing, and they were all driving all over D.C. And all the you know, kids have phones, parents have phones, they're sitting on the bus driving around D.C. And one of the girls on the trip is bullying my niece through the text you know like and I say bullying I mean like in the ways that are petty sixth grade girl kind of ways that happen sometimes Um, making fun and poking fun of my niece for sitting next to her dad my brother on the bus and and so and she's she's writing back why why would I not want to sit with my dad quote I love my dad I love my dad. She gets it. She understands the relationship between law that she'd been taught as a young child growing up. Sit by me. I'm here to keep you safe. I'm here to nurse you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to care for you. Sit by me. Sit by me. Sit by me. And then when you're 13 years old and you could go sit somewhere else, but you willingly choose to sit next to your father because you love your dad, and no other 13-year-old bully who does not love her dad is going to tell you otherwise. So it's, it, it beautifully illustrates the law and love. Law and love. You have to already know that God loves you. You have to already have an experience and a relationship of complete to make that real in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And when you get that, when you see God's great love for you, you'll look at the law and you'll go, I want to do that because it's pointing me to love. I want to do that. Psalm 119 becomes your psalm. Knowing the law is pointing you to love. The Lord makes it easier to obey. It makes it, to our point in Sunday school this morning, it makes it joyful. It makes it yours. It makes it delightful because you see it pointing to the gospel. So Jesus said, 
That's why. Everything, all these 600, all those things, they hang on this. And if you don't see the love, then the law will be a burden and you'll want to fight it or you'll want to rewrite it, but you'll miss the love. And Jesus says, I don't want you to miss the love. Don't miss the love. Let's pray together. Father, help us not to miss the love. The commands are love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every law, every law hangs, depends on those two things, which means all the other things that, all the things hanging from those two are driving us to and pointing us to your love for us, revealed to us in the complete obedience of Jesus Christ. You're sending your son to fulfill the law on our behalf, paying the price for the punishment of our sin for breaking the law, defeating death in his resurrection. No greater demonstration of your love than that. And when we get that you love us and did that, then your law becomes beautiful and wonderful and something that we love to delight in because it points us to Jesus and your love for us. So help us read and obey the law in that regard. Help us believe more deeply in your love for us in the gospel and leads to obedience in the truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.